Well, hello, and welcome to Abundant Life Church, the place where faith and life connect. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today for our worship experience. And our prayer for you today is that you encounter Jesus in a different way. Today is our first Sunday where we pause and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. To that end, we invite you to get some juice or water and crackers or some bread to get some things together so that you can partake of the Lord's table with us. Now, the table of the Lord is just that. It is the Lord's table. If you have children in the house with you and they have a relationship, they've accepted Jesus Christ, they are also able to partake of this table with us. Later on, we will have a time to talk about it where we can process the sermon that has been preached by our bishop. And we encourage you to make use of the chat and talk one with another. At this time, we want to ask that you would try to cease from whatever activities you may be doing and to make this a special time where you connect with God and with other believers online. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you and we praise you for this is the day that you have made and we choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. We're grateful that you brought us to a first Sunday of the month of February. We're grateful that we can pause and even celebrate that which you've done even through our brothers and sisters. We pray even now as we prepare our hearts to worship and to receive a word that we would focus on you. We lay aside every weight, every sin, every care of the week that has just buried us. We choose to lay those anxieties and those cares aside. In fact, we cast them all on you because you care for us. And as we worship together, we pray that you would speak a word to us through the song, through the message, that we may be encouraged to help encourage someone else. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so now we invite you to join us in worship. Now, I don't know where you are. You may be in your living room. You may be at your mama's house. But when I count to three, I need you to jump up and just turn around with us. Are you ready? One, two, three, let's go.
always good when we worship together, even in digital spaces. And I hope that those songs blessed your heart and you were able to lift your hands and to sing along. So now let's pray for our nation and for our families. Father, we're grateful for this time that you've allowed us to worship together. And as we prepare our hearts to receive of your table, we want to lift our nation before you. We pray for the United States of America that even as decisions are being made regarding cabinet selections and as decisions are being made regarding the coronavirus, we pray for wisdom for our elected officials. We pray, Father, that you would continue to help us to come together, that you would allow those hearts that are hard, that they would be softened, that they would no longer believe lives but decide and choose to walk in truth. 
We lift up our families before you, even as we continue with schooling and work and things all from home. We pray that you bless every home under the sound of my voice. We pray that there would be greater love one for another. And we pray for those that are lacking resources that you would provide and that we would reach out and touch our brothers and sisters and let them know that they are loved and that they are cared for. And Father, we pray it now as we're about to partake of the Lord's table, that you would touch our hearts and help us to remember the sacrifice that Christ paid on the cross for us. And because of that, we can have life and have it more abundantly. So have your way in and through our lives as we prepare to receive of your sacrifice and also to receive of the word. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's prepare to receive of the Lord's table together. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Abundant Life Church Online. I'm so glad that you're here today, and I pray that you're experiencing God's presence right where you are. I mean, the worship is so powerful, and I enjoy and I participate lifting up my hands in worship. And so I'm so glad that we can come together even in this uh, time that uh, we are in and that we can fellowship. And even as we're bringing this service online, pray that the presence of God is being felt in your home and uh, that you're experiencing God right where you are. Today's Communion Sunday. And as we're going to receive of the Lord's table, I uh, want you to get your elements if you haven't uh, done so already. And if you have, let's get ready to come together and let's uh, bring ourselves in, the, in a real uh, intimate space with the Lord where we can participate in this time of communion and re remember his death, burial, and his resurrection. I'd like to read a text of scripture um, as we always start our communion time. And uh, our text is going to be taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 34. If you have Bible, if don't, it's on your screen, and you can follow along with us as we just read these words by the Apostle Paul, um, just talking about, with the Corinthian church, the, the order of communion. The word of the Lord says, For I have received from, from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthily manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. And that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way, uh, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. 
So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further instructions. And so this morning, uh, Paul, who is speaking to the Corinthian church, is uh, teaching uh, the saints that communion is a time when we recognize that we have a covenant with God, we recognize that Jesus Christ has been crucified, he was buried, but yet he rose from the dead. And because of that, we have a relationship with the Lord through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we celebrate that. And so today we wanna to celebrate, this is called the Eucharist, the, the Thanksgiving, the celebration of Christ. And so we need to examine ourselves. So if, as we bring ourselves in this time of communion, I want you to take a moment to examine your heart. I want you to, to ask yourself, uh, what, what have I done this week or done even today that I might need to come before the Lord and re in repentance and ask his forgiveness? It could be something that you did or something that you just didn't do because there are sins of omission or sins of commission. But God is a forgiving God. Jesus said, you know, if we come to him, if we come to him and he will forgive us of our sins. And the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I just like to begin where we just take a moment just to still ourselves and just have a moment of reflection and have a moment of examination of our hearts before the Lord. Well, Father, we thank you for uh, this day. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come into your presence. Lord, you told us, Father, that if we have sinned and we have fallen short, Lord, we can come and confess our sins, and you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, forgive us where we have committed acts, Lord, that are displeasing to you, and Lord, forgive us where we did not obey you in the area of our lives. So Lord, I just pray right now, God, that as we come before your table, that we might have clean hands and pure hearts. That Father, we praise and honor you because not only did you come to save us, you came to deliver us, you also came to heal us. And so Lord, as we participate in this communion, we thank you, Lord, for healing our bodies, Thank you for forgiving our sins. And we thank you, Father, for being present even where we are today, around our tables, in our living rooms, even in this space where we are sharing this word. We bless you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So at this time, I'd like you to get your, your elements. I'm going to get mine. And we're going to receive of the bread. And the bread is representative of the body of Christ, where he, he took the wounds and he took the scourging and he was bruised for our transgressions and he was wounded for our iniquities. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him, but the good news is 
with his stripes and by them we are healed. And so may we eat in remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and may it be healing for our spirit, our soul, and our bodies. I'd like you to take the cup, and as we lift them before the Lord, the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission for our sins. But Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so we come today thanking him for his blood that gives us access into the presence of God. Through his shed blood, we have forgiveness of our sins. And so at this time, let us drink in remembrance of the shed blood of Christ and all that he done, he has done for us in paying the price for our sins. Let us drink in remembrance of him. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time of communion. We, we love, we adore you, we praise your name. We lift up our hands before you, Father, in thanksgiving and praise. And so, Lord, as we have received of your table today, thank you that you give us healing, you give us cleansing, you give us forgiveness. And Father, Lord, you give us community as the church. And so thank you for washing us. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you, Lord, for being our Lord, our Master, our Savior. We praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. the highest mountain. 
Well, praise God, we're here again to worship God, but also we're here to hear a word from God. I trust that you're ready and you'll just open your heart so that God will begin to speak. And I'm sure he's been speaking uh, through the worship. He's been speaking through our communion time. But now he also wants to speak to us through the word of God. And so I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. I'm preaching a series on the sower, the seed, and the soils. And so part two of this message, we're going to focus on the seed. And as we focus on the seed today, I trust that you'll be blessed, that you'll be encouraged, but also you'll be mindful of what God is going to challenge us with today. And so I'd like to draw your attention to Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. Let's pray just before we start reading. Father, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that your word will enter into our hearts, that it will be life-giving, changing for us, Lord Father, transforming us to what you called us to be. We praise you, Lord. We offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting from verse 4 of Luke chapter 8, it says, While a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming uh, to Jesus, from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow, sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, along the path, and, and it's trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, and they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I want to share today about the seed, the seed, the seed. And I want to talk about not only the seed, which is the word of God, but I want to talk about what that really means for you and I. When it comes to the scriptures, Jesus was actually teaching, and he was teaching a large crowd, and he was talking about the importance of hearing the word. But not only hearing the word, but actually what brings about transformation and growth in the life of those who follow him. And so while a large crowd was following him, it included the disciples. 
and the disciples were hearing Jesus teach. And when Jesus talked about this parable, they were not just concerned about agriculture as he was explaining it or, or telling the, the, the large crowd. But then they kind of got Jesus on the side and said, Jesus, uh, could you just break it down a little bit and tell us what it really means? What, what, what's the context and what, what does it really mean to us? And that's a very important thing that when you hear a word from God, you don't want to just hear it. You want to know what it means. And so as they were asking what it mean, meant, Jesus began to break, break down this uh, contrast of farming and what it really meant to hear the word. And he talks about this. He says, the seed is the word of God. Do you know the word of God is like a seed? The seed is very small, but yet it has powerful potential to grow. And so seeds are also words. Did you know that words are seeds? That when we think about our words, when we start speaking, we are actually planting seeds. You see, words have creative power. The Bible tells us in Genesis that when God stepped out into a world that was chaotic and, and just everything was, was just in confusion, the way he actually ordered it, he ordered it by speaking. The Bible says over and over again in Genesis chapter 1, it says when he stepped out into a space of darkness and void, he said, let there be light. Then he said, well, you know, let, let's, let's get the sky and the water separated. And he began to speak to that. And he began to speak to the stars. And the stars started to, to twinkle. They were created by the spoken word of God. When he wanted to bring forth life out of the earth, he, he spoke life into existence. So as you would read Genesis chapter 1, and you, you'll see that there's a consistent pattern that that God's word was the, the very thing that he used to actually create what we see. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it tells us this. It says, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. The words that we speak... And the words that God spoke specifically was able to create things. Imagine that. But you know what? Our words matter too because when we speak things, we create things. Our words have the power to speak life or to speak death. And not that we're like God where we can actually speak to a son and it, and it kind of moves. And I know that you can read in the Bible in Joshua where... He spoke and the sun, the sun actually stood still. But it tells you to understand this, that your words have power. And here we are, as we're looking at this seed, which is the word of God, and how God uses his words to create life and to bring life. I want to just show you here that your words are so important as a believer and even if you don't believe in God, your words are important. Sometimes we, we, we kind of look at our situations and we don't have a real conscious understanding of the impact of our words. I know as a dad, uh, when my sons were growing up, 
um, I wasn't always careful with what I said. Sometimes I had to go back and apologize and say, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that because I now understand the power of words. Do you realize that we were going around talking uh, and saying this, this, uh, this phrase that really was a lie? You know the phrase, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. We know that's not true. And the reason why it's not true, because many people today are hurt by the words that have been spoken over their lives. They are damaged by the words that were spoken by their parents, by colleagues, by people they respected, by their spouses, and even by their children. Parents are, are some, some parents are really, really sad about the fact that their, their children speak words of hatred and it, it just causes them to just really feel just demoralized. And we understand that words do hurt you. Words can hurt you. And so when we think about our words, I want you to think about the words you're speaking because those are seeds. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, the tongue has power and life of life and death and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Amazing. That, here we go back to agriculture again. That when I speak the words, and I speak words of life, and I speak words or life or death, that that has fruit to it. Another way of saying it is, my words will have consequences. That there are consequences for the words that I speak. The New Living Translation says this. The tongue can bring forth death or life, and those who love it, to talk, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. There's consequences for the words that you speak. I want to go to a passage of scripture that really kind of dives into a little bit deeper about the importance of understanding our words and how they matter and the impact and the consequences that can happen when we speak our words. It's found in James chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. I'm reading it from uh, the Passion Translation. And James is a very, very important book to understand because he talks about what it means to have genuine faith. Do you know your words reveal genuine faith? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it does. You know, people know that I'm a man of faith, not just by looking at me carrying a Bible or wearing a cross around my neck or going to a church or having my name somewhere where it's under a church board or a church organization or a card that I pass out, they will know what your faith is all about by the words that you speak. And so here he says here, beginning at verse 1 of James chapter 3, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, don't be e so eager to become a teacher in the church since you know that we who teach are held to a higher standard of judgment. Did you realize that those who teach the word, like right now, if I'm, I'm teaching the word of God, I'm held to a higher standard. He says, we all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we were able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. 
Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large bodies. And the same with a mighty ship. And though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how, many, how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. Imagine that, the most dangerous part of, our, of the human body. It corrupts the entire body. It is a hellish flame. It releases fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. For every wild animal on the earth, including birds, creeping uh, reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. It's fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father, and then we turn around and curse the person who was made in the very image of God. And out of the same mouth, we pour out praise one minute and we curse the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go pick figs from a grapevine? Is it possible that fresh water, fresh and, and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. If you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God, advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life guided by wisdom's gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done and you'll prove that you are truly wise. But if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by boasting and being phony. For that is nothing to do with heavenly wisdom, but can best be described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish and devilish. Here is the reading of the passage. That, that's a passage that you can just read and just, just kind of just drop the mic on that one because it talks about the danger of our tongues. I want to give you some four takeaways from this passage and talk about the seed of, of your words and how they make a difference in the consequences. So in verse 2, James tells us that my words will reveal my maturity. Do you know your words reveal your maturity? Uh, if you think about it, when we come in this world as children, there's a language that's given to us, or we have a language, but it's certainly not very comprehensive, you know, comprehensible in, in many ways and to people that are around us because it's kind of like baby talk. You know, uh, when they, we had children, um, my children, you know, it was, there was some times where I had, I was like, I don't know what they what they're trying to tell me. But as they grew and they learned the English language and they learned how to uh, work with their vocabulary and we taught them, we said, you know, use your words, use your words. 
Don't point when you want something at the table. Use your words. They begin to grow. They begin to mature, and their language matured as well. So here's what I want to tell you, that we can tell the maturity of a believer by the way they talk. See, if you talk about things of the world and foolish things and things that really have not a whole lot of spiritual significance, and you're talking about those things all the time, not that you can't talk about basketball and football and the weather, but if that preoccupies your whole conversation all the time, I'm wondering, um, do you, are you really mature? Are you really mature? It reveals your maturity. The Bible tells us that um, when it comes to our language and it comes to our speech and it comes to the words we say, it reveals our character. It reveals our maturity. Paul said it this way. He said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but also I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And childish things are also childish words. We must examine our words because they reveal our maturity. Second thing is, in verses 3 and 4, James says, you know, as horses are these large, huge animals, and if you ever watch Kentucky Derby, you'll see that these, these jockeys, they may, they may weigh maybe 150 pounds or 100 pounds even, but they're, they're riding this horse that's massive. So how do they do that? Because they have a metal bit in its mouth and a rein that controls the horse. So imagine this very small human being in weight and size comparatively to this large horse, this stallion, that he can control him. And so what does it show us? That just as a bit in the horse's mouth controls the horse, our words will direct your life. See, as the jockey turns the reins and pulls the reins left or right, that's where the horse is going to go. It's about direction. Do you know your words will direct your life? People don't realize it that when they say things about their lives and where they're going, they're going to take on the direction on which they speak. And so you have to watch what you say because you don't want to end up in the wrong place, do you? So it's important that you speak where you are headed. And more specifically, you need to speak where God has directed you because your words direct your life. The second thing is, my words are going to destroy my life, and so I have to watch what I say. It says that the tongue, in verses 5 and 6, is that the tongue is though it's the smallest part. It carries great power, and just as a small flame, a spark, can set off an enormous fire, that can destroy millions of acres. If you ever watch those millions of acres burning in California and burning in Australia, it didn't start off with a huge bonfire. It started off with a very small spark. And so your tongue can set off a big, a very big thing. It's just a small thing that you say that can start it off. 
We have seen what's happening in our nation's capital on January the 6th. How did that, how did that, that get sparked? Words. And so why you have to understand that, you know, words are actually dangerous. And we have to watch what we say because our words will destroy our lives. We don't want to see our lives go up in smoke. And do you know that there are a lot of people who have spoken words that they lost their careers, their careers went up in smoke, their job went up in smoke, their marriage went up in smoke, their family went up in smoke. Why? Because they're saying things that has very small thing that they may say. And maybe they don't pay attention too much to what they say, and all of a sudden, an inferno happens, and everything is burned to the ground. Don't get burned by your words. We have to watch what we say. My words also would disclose what's inside of me. In verse 9 to 15, James says, out of the same mouth can come praise to God. It could come worship. And, and you know, we worship God today, didn't we? We, we? we started praising God with our lips. But, at, but you know what? The same tongue has the capacity to actually turn on people, to curse people who are made in the very image of God. And James says, this shouldn't be. He said it shouldn't be. We must understand that our words disclose what's on the inside of us. If you think about it, let's say you had a, a well outside your backyard and that's how you would draw your water. And when you put your bucket down and you drew, drew your water and you poured, it, poured your water in a, in a clear glass and you saw that it was really, really rusty, but where would you look? as the source of where that rust is coming from. Would you, would you blame the pump? Would you, would you start to just paint the pump over or just clean the pump? Well, you might start there. But here's what you might look at. You might want to look on what's happening there underneath with the, the well itself. What's happening on the inside? And do you know what's on our inside? What's on our inside will actually come out of our mouths. So my words disclose or bring to light what's on the inside of me. We need to understand that as we come into this season, words are so important because they're great revealers. They divulge. Jesus says, you know what? A good tree can't produce bad fruit. He said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45. He said, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruits. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. What you say flows from your heart. If you want to change what you say, go to the heart. 
go to the heart. Don't just go to the, oops, have you ever said something? I know I have. And you just want to just pull it back. Washing your mouth out with soap is not going to solve the problem because it's a reflection of the heart. And so when I think about the heart, God is the one who's going to deal with our hearts. And this is, a, this is the fourth final point, that takeaway, that I, I am incapable of controlling that little member called the tongue. I can't, I, I, I don't, I don't find a way to always control what I say. So I must ask God to go into my heart so I can say the right thing. In other words, God, I need you to allow my faith to be the filter for my mouth. Faith will help you filter your mouth so that when you come to God, he not only saves you, but he wants to work through you by dealing with your heart so that when you speak words, you're not speaking death and cursing and all kinds of profanities. You are speaking life because it's in your heart. The Bible says this, that in Proverbs chapter 21, verses 23, he says, those who guard their mouths and keep their tongues, keep themselves from calamity. The New Living Translation says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. That's in the Bible. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. I don't know about you, but I want to stay out of trouble. So I have to watch what comes out of my mouth. I trust today that as we are in this series of the sower, the seed, and the soils, that we are going to really take self-examination of our hearts so that when we speak, it will be life, there will be change, there will be victory, there will be direction. And also there will be a place where you can say, you know, I'm growing because it's mature. I'm maturing. You're not only maturing because you can pray good. We know you're maturing when you speak well. And speaking well is to speak life, God's life. I'm going to pray at this time for maybe you're saying, Lord, I, I really need you to help me with my mouth. But even more so, Lord, I need you to help me with my heart. I need you to grab a hold of my heart so that my mouth will speak what you want me to say. I want to sow seeds of life. I want to sow seeds of life in people. I want to sow seeds into people's destinies that will bring them victory and bring them health and bring health to my family, my community, my co-workers, my church. Not death. Change my heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity. We come before you recognizing, Lord, we have a small but powerful member in our bodies that we cannot control. But Father, you can help us by dealing with our hearts. 
So Lord, I pray that we would not only be people of God who proclaim our faith because we carry Bibles and we go to church and we do things that are religious, but Lord, I pray that it would be manifested through the seed of our words. Thank you, Lord, that our words matter. And we pray, Lord, as you deal with our hearts, thank you for revealing us in the areas of our maturity. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to direct our lives by speaking the word. And Father, thank you for the warning of how destructive our words can be. And may, O oh God, help us, Lord, to know and to recognize that when we speak words, it's not just coming from nowhere, it's coming from the heart. So help us to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it will flow the wellsprings of life. We praise you, we manifest, we, we, we manifest your glory as we speak, as we share. Let us do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're watching for the first time, we just want to welcome you. Thank you for being part of this uh, worship experience. And maybe you've been watching for a while, but you never gave Jesus Christ the lordship of your life, or you never asked Christ into your life. I want to pray a prayer. And if you would open your heart and you will confess with your mouth, Jesus will come in. He'll live in you. And you know what? Once he lives in your heart, you'll find your words will be life-giving and it will change the very course of where you're going in life. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. I open my heart to you today. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ was crucified, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. I, Lord, right now, I ask you to come and live in me. Help me, Lord, to walk with you. I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you can text us at 833-300-0670. You can text SAVED, and we'll get right back to you and tell you how you can actually walk this walk of faith and have a relationship with the Lord that's growing and strong. So thank you so much for praying as we went through this word. And again, remember, your words matter. God bless you. There's more to come. Stay tuned. Welcome to Let's Talk About It. Bishop, you've given us a great word today about the seed. And generally when people preach this passage, they're talking about the seed is the word of God. And you didn't just leave us there. You also brought us to the seed being our words. And the four key points, our words reveal our maturity. Ouch. Number two, our words will direct our life. Number three, our words expose what's on the inside of us. And this is where I want to land for a minute. And you said that evil and good are produced from the treasury of our heart. And then you invited us to go to the heart. 
So I want to ask you, how can we go to the hot, especially where a lot of us were thinkers, we're intellectual people, we're in New England, we like to think about everything, even our spiritual lives are very much rooted in our head. How do we move from the head to the hot? How do we do that? Well, I, I think that when, when I'm, and I'm a very, um, what I call, intellectual thinker, and I think about everything and process about everything, but uh, one, one scripture that really kind of settles with me is David entered a time of prayer where he said, search my heart, O God, and know my, my thoughts and see if there's any wicked ways in me and lead me to a life of everlasting. Uh, we don't really know what in our heart, that's in our heart. The Bible tells us that our hearts are desper desperately wicked and who even knows it. So I think there has to be an understanding that first of all, we have to slow down and stop and allow the voice of God to speak to us. And when it comes to this, the speaking to us, we, we've learned um, that we need to take our hearts to the Father. We need to ask the Father, Lord, show me what's in my heart and allow him to speak. And begin to kind of shut off our justification for what we think and what we want. And, and it takes a little while to kind of just settle down in a space where you can allow the Lord to actually do the searching of your heart. And then you have to be honest mm -hmm. with what he talks to you about mm -hmm. when it comes to your mm -hmm. heart. And, um, and I don't think it's, it's something you can rush, just like it's heart surgery. They don't rush mm -hmm. through heart surgery. Mm -hmm. they, they have to be very careful because that is really the center that gives every organ in your body life. And, and so we, we're kind of too fast mm -hmm. in a lot of ways to really have God search our hearts and we have to slow down and just allow ourselves to be in a space of quietness and ask the Lord to deal and work on our hearts. And then examine that in the scripture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, 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 are there things in my heart that are really preventing me or hindering me from my growth in the Lord? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's some great advice. This is going to really be a time of heart surgery for all of us as we take it to the Father and we ask God to deal with some of the issues inside of us. And with that, you said that we're capable of controlling our tongue. And the fourth point, and you said to allow faith to be the filter of our heart. So how can we, dovetailing on what the answer you just gave us, how can we allow faith to be the filter of our heart? Well, faith, faith has a voice. And um, the Bible tells us what we should be, be speaking. And uh, when it comes to how faith filters that, and as we grow, just like a, a natural person grows, and they, you know, a child grows, and they take on a vocabulary, mm -hmm. they learn what to say, they learn mm -hmm. not what to say. Um, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and he guides us on what we should say. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus told the disciples, hey, look, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit is going to give you what to mm -hmm. say. The question is, um, we know what not to do. Mm. And, I, and I think we don't give ourselves enough credit because we know when we're saying things that we shouldn't be saying, mm -hmm. gossip and lying and backbiting and, and uh, using, using profanity. Mm -hmm. we, we know there's something in us that the Holy Spirit triggers in us say, you shouldn't be talking like that. Mm -hmm. And so the Holy Spirit you know, kind of what I call it gives you the check. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do you pay attention to the check? He's the filter. 
And so you need to let your, the Holy Spirit and you should also have your, your reasoning and think about what you're saying um, before you say it. And that's how it works in tandem of how faith becomes our filter. Wow. Well, thank you, Bishop. This has really been good. Folks, we have a lot of work to do as we check our hearts and we allow the seed of the word and also examine the seeds that are coming out of our mouths. And now, stay tuned for our Kids Corner. Hello, welcome to Kids Corner. I'm Yvette. And I'm Luke. Today we'll be reading a short story, Jacob Steals Esau's Blessing. But first, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to pray for you, pray to you. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you've done for the church. Thank you, Lord, for, um, thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do for the church. May everybody who hears the church service be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Jacob steals Esau's blessing. In time, Isaac became very old. One day, he said to Esau, I want to give you my blessing before I die. Hunt an animal and cook the meat for me. You know I love this. Then I will bless you. But Esau had sold his blessing to Jacob for some soup. Nearby, Rebecca was listening. Quickly, she cooked up some meat. She gave it to Jacob. Take this to your father. He is blind, so pretend that you are Esau. Then you will get the blessing. Jacob did this, though it was wrong. He stole Esau's blessing. So I have two questions for you, Luke. Yes. How did Jacob fool Isaac? Jacob fooled Isaac like by pretending like he was Esau. And who helped him steal the blessing? His mother, Rebecca. Um, what did you learn from this story? There's so much to learn from this story, but I think the most um, impressionable one to me is that being deceitful, dishonest, has consequences that can affect us for a very long time. Well, thank you for joining us on Kent Corner. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. to take a moment and to pause and to recognize this is the first Sunday during February where we celebrate Black History Month. We'd like to ask you to take the time and to remember the elders that have gone on before us. As a little girl, I remember sitting in the choir and seeing Rosa Parks and Shirley Chisholm and Jesse Jackson, elders who sacrificed, who gave of their time, talents, and treasures to make sure that I, as a little black girl, would know that there was a future and a hope and a plan for me. So I wanna encourage you this week to reach out to an elder, maybe somebody you're related to or maybe not, and let them know that you appreciate the sacrifice, that you understand the hard work and the toils that they have gone through. And I believe that it's embodied in the second verse of the Black National Anthem. And it says, stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, 
felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading the path through the blood of the slaughtered, out of the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. I want to encourage you to even take a look at the words of the Black National Anthem, also known as Lift Every Voice and Sing. Reach out to our elders and give thanks to God for the sacrifice that they have made. God bless you. Rosa Louise Macaulay Parks was an American activist in the civil rights movement, best known for her pivotal role in the Montgomery bus boycott. The United States Congress has called her, quote, the first lady of civil rights, and quote, the mother of the freedom movement. On December 1st, 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama, Parks rejected bus driver James Blake's order to vacate a row of four seats in the colored section in favor of a white passenger. Parks wasn't the first person to resist bus segregation, but the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People believed that she was the best candidate for seeing through a court challenge after her arrest of civil disobedience in violating Alabama's segregation laws, and she helped inspire the black community to boycott the Montgomery buses for over a year. The case became bogged down in the state courts, but the federal Montgomery bus lawsuit Browder versus Gale resulted in a November 1956 decision that bus segregation is unconstitutional under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. And now we want to bless the offering. This is a place where we get to give into the work of the Lord, or sow seed, as some of you may understand, that there's the seed of the word, there's also a seed of that which God has given to us. So now I'm just going to pray and bless that which we have received and as we give it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and this time. We're grateful for the word that has gone forth. And we pray now over the seed of our offerings and our tithes. You have blessed us with jobs and income, and we don't take that lightly or for granted. And we make a decision and we choose to give you back a portion so that your kingdom, so that your work can continue. We pray you bless this offering, bless the tithes. And those that don't have to give, we pray for provision for them. And as you provide for them, let them not eat their seed, but that they would take a portion of this seed and return it back to you. So we bless the gift and we bless the giver. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. But wasn't this a blessed service today and wasn't a time that we enjoyed the presence of God? Pray the word was encouraging to you that you enjoyed uh, the Kids Corner and certainly stay tuned for all the announcements and 
be a part of what God is doing here at Abundant Life. We, we are so glad to have so many of you tune in week after week and being on the prayer line with us and the many activities that God has allowed us to share together. I want to bless you as you go, and I want to bless your week, and I want to bless your family. So let's pray. Father, thank you today for another day that we are able to be alive. Thank you, Lord, that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people. I pray, Lord, that even in this week, Father, we would put a guard, you would put a guard over our mouths, Lord, that, Father, may the words of our mouth, as David said, in the meditation of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our strength and our redeemer. So we praise you, we honor you, we love you, and we commend your people to God. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you his shalom, his peace, nothing missing and nothing broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you again for joining us. And we're looking for you for next week as we share another word and we have worship together here at Abundant Life Church where faith and life connect. Now, I don't know where you are. You may be in your living room. You may be at your but when I count to three, I need you to jump up and just turn around with us. Are you ready? One, two.